0: You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to enduring questioning. If you can't afford one, the court appoint one for you. you understand your rights? By the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Warning. Each episode of Real Life Real Crime the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence, or of a sexual nature, and are for people that are eighteen years or older, heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes. Or, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, we are going to be beginning a new chapter in the history of real life, real crime, the podcast. And we're going to be starting a investigative series. And the title of it is going to be Who Murdered Courtney Coco? Okay, so I want to tell y'all a little bit of background on this case. And then we're going to have a long recording and interview with Courtney Coco's mother, where Jim Rathman and I talk to her at length. But let me just kind of skip around here, get my thoughts out to you, so you know where we're going and what we're trying to do. About two, maybe two and a half years ago, Miss Stephanie, who is Courtney Coco's mom, contacted me about her daughter's cold case homicide. And it had been cold approximately twelve years at that time. And I told her I would take a look at it, and you know that I needed the case materials, et cetera, and that I would be going to Alexandria, Louisiana, to meet with her. And y'all, Alexandria—if you don't know it—it's dead center in the middle of the state of Louisiana. It's—I mean, if you just threw a dart and hit the middle of the state, that's exactly where it is. But before I could do that, Miss Stephanie changed her mind. And that was after she met with law enforcement officers and told them that she was bringing me in on the case. Now, nothing had been done or she hadn't heard from them in years. And then she goes in and tells the detective that's handling the case that she's bringing me in to review it. And they just pretty much flipped out, told her, no, no, you can't do that, et cetera." You know, we're going to do this. We got a cold case squad now. We're going it and you don't want to bring in an outsider and all that. Well, you know, it is what it is. The, I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. I think, number one, they don't want somebody to come in and crack a case that they hadn't been able to solve, right? Regardless, whatever it is, she backed off of it. Stephanie gave in to him and backed off of it. And about a month ago, She contacted me again, Miss Stephanie did, and she said, I need your help. Will you please come help me with Courtney's case? And so I called her. She had sent me a message, and I called her, and we talked in depth for a long time. We've talked several times since then, and I agreed to come and work the case if she would let me do it through the podcast as an investigative series. And the main reason I got her to agree to that is because this case is 15 years old now. And I do not think it can be solved. I know it can't be solved without the help of the public. And you lifers out there, I know y'all love true crime. And this is it. But Jim Raffman and I are going to work this case. But we can't do it alone. We're no longer law enforcement officers. I'm going to be working this as an investigative journalist. So, you know, 15 years, hell, that's a long time. And this case is not just cold, it's frozen, literally. You know, it's not just old and cold, it's frozen at a dead standstill. Pardon the pun. But before I give you some background information, I'm going to talk to y'all about that. What I'm going to do. What we're going to do on this case is I'm going to do episodes real-time as they unfold. I'm going to record all interviews with everyone that I come in contact with. I'm going to record our bullshit sessions, if you will, where we sit around and kick ideas back and forth. And that's where a lot of... Great homicides get solved. It's just by sitting around, kicking back and forth ideas. And sometimes somebody will come up with something off the wall, which actually helps to solve or break the case. So the idea of us doing it as investigative journalists, trying to push it along, is still, I mean, we have to have the public's help. Now, we're going to be establishing a reward fund, and it's going to be significant. And we're going to establish a hotline where people can call in tips, and they can be anonymous. And we're going to have a closed Facebook page where I'm going to upload all the documents of the case. Now, on the closed Facebook page, I'm going to have to lock it up. For patrons on the ten dollar and above tier, because I'm not getting paid for this, y'all. In these cases, I mean, it could take years. It's certainly gonna take a hell of a lot of time and travel expenses and stuff like that. So, and I have a family to support, and I have to work my, you know, my regular mini jobs that I do, right? Consulting, going around the country, and and polygraphs and all the many different hats that I wear, and now Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. So all the material that we're going to put up, the extra interviews, the stuff that doesn't make a regular episode to keep you updated, is going to be locked up, unedited, for the $10 tier and above patron members. So it's all going to be there. That's going to be a different angle, but it's, it's a necessary evil. We've got to have some type of financial support to run this, and I know how long these things are going to take, but this case, y'all, it's a real, real humdinger, and I'm going to go into it in a minute and tell you a little bit about Courtney Coco and the basis of what happened. And then Jim Raffin and I, we were in Orlando last week, and we recorded over an hour with Courtney's mom, Stephanie, uh, on the phone just basically to introduce Jim to her, and get some basic case facts, if you will. And it turned out to be such a powerful, powerful interview. I'm going to release it today. And when I get done talking to y'all, I'm going to release it today. And it's going to be unedited. I mean, all this stuff is going to be unedited. So if you hear some lip smacking or breathing or some stuttering on words, guess what? It's just how it is. Because I want you to get it like I get it so it's a tough deal do I think it's a solvable case 1000 percent can I guarantee it no I can't but I can guarantee that we're going to work it as if it was our own family member in every homicide that we worked especially ones that were dragged out we treated the victim's family like they were our own family and to this day, there's so many of them that I'm still friends with, right? So it's going to need y'all's help and your patience and your understanding. It's going to be a fluid situation as any homicide investigation is. When you think you are going down the right track, something else is going to happen and turn in another direction. Remember on homicide investigations, everybody is a suspect except for me. Jim Rathman, and the mom. And, of course, you lifers, right? So everybody has to be excluded. And there's a lot of players in this one, y'all. I mean, this case has got some real, real twist in it. And now when we say anything about the police work or whatever or any possible suspects, et cetera, we're, we're certainly not accused in anyone. But if something sounds reasonable like you were the last person with her or this didn't get done or that didn't get done investigation we're not bashing on anyone yet but we certainly will follow those leads and if they can be excluded we'll exclude them if they can't then we're going to stay on them so anyway i guess i could talk about this all day but just want to let y'all know Little bit about our victim, okay. And I'm gonna read from a letter, and y'all know I don't do that, but Miss Stephanie sent me this, and I'm only gonna read you part of it because I don't want to go into a lot of the details that are in it, and that will be put up on that for the patron members on the closed page. But it says, This is Miss Stephanie writing me, it said Courtney was 19 years old in 2004, the youngest of three girls. She went to Alexandria Senior High School and graduated in 2003 and was a very good student. She was on the cheerleading team and played softball and was a long-time gymnast. She went to one semester at Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana and was studying criminology and wanting to specialize in crime scene investigations. Sadly, her dream of college never would be. She would never be married. She would never know the joy of being a mother. And that's with an exclamation mark. Courtney had her own car, job, and was renting a cute little house. I saw Courtney last on October 1st, 2004. It was a Friday. In my driveway, we were packing to go to the camp at Sabine Bayou Landing. Courtney was going to feed my two little dogs while we were gone. On October 2nd, Saturday night, Courtney had a domino game at her house. There were about four to five people there. Based on information given to police, this was the last night she would be seen alive. And I'm not going to say any more about it because it gets too specific details. And uh, you're going to hear a lot of these details today on the phone call with miss stephanie just tragic man let me make sure there's nothing else i want to add on here no i'll put that i'm gonna scan those i'm gonna scan that letter and put it on the the close page and again y'all if the sound quality is not the best you hear papers rustling or whatever going on that's how this live investigation is going to go there's no way in hell We have the time to edit every single thing on this. Just on we don't we don't have a production team. We don't have writers and stuff like all these big shows do. You know, my wife probably spends twenty five to thirty five hours a week editing each episode after working all day as a teacher. So just bear with us and help us, okay? And I'm really, really no idea is a wrong idea or a bad idea. The only stupid idea is the one that you don't come forth with. So we're going to be setting up an email where you can email in ideas or questions. We're going to set up that hotline, and that's going to be available to everybody, to all the public, okay? Now, you have to understand, when we do this, and when we did it when we were law enforcement officers, we would get a 1,000 calls, okay? But every one of them has to be investigated. and Investigator or every idea that y'all present, I have to read through it and at least, you know, decide to include it or exclude it or whatever. So it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of time. But y'all, man, Miss Stephanie, when I t- agreed to take this case, I asked her to please send me her favorite pictures of Courtney. And I do that because I'm going to keep one in my vehicle with me. And one on my bedside table. Although I won't be home very much, it doesn't look like. But that way, little Courtney will always be with me. And it just makes it personal. Yeah, personal for me. And we're going to do everything we can to solve this case. Now, reward money. I'm not going to announce the the beginning amount yet because I'm going to get some more donations for it. But it's going to be significant. And to collect the reward, you have to provide information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the person or the people who committed this murder. So there's a lot of twists and turns, y'all, on this. And I can't do it all in one episode. Today's episode is simply going to be to introduce you to the mother and her pain. And listen to her voice. Listen to the pain. And imagine if it was your child, and you've been 15 years, brutally murdered, and you're suffering, and you can't get justice. So, who murdered Courtney Coco? And we're going to be in new uncharted waters, like I said, doing as journalists, and not law enforcement. So, anyway... We're going to be posting the patron information the, uh, if you're already a patron member on the $10 above tier. and I think that's vandalism. But if you already are one, then you'll get the information and log into the private page where all the documents would be uploaded automatically. Uh, weekly, I'll be uploading all the interviews and things like I said in the, in the kick around bullshit sessions that we do. You'll have access to everything. Everyone else, you're going to get the pertinent case facts as they unfold real time. And if you can't be a patron, I totally get it. We still you'll have access to the hotline and the email and send us your ideas. And there's no wrong idea. So without further ado, let me play today's episode and I appreciate and love every one of y'all. So here we go. And this is a recorded phone call with Jim Rathman and I with Courtney Coco's mom, Stephanie. Hey everybody, it's real life, real crime the podcast, and we're gonna be recording a initial interview today Just a brief interview with uh, Miss Stephanie, which is Courtney, Coco's mom, the mother of the victim in this case. I'm going to call Miss Stephanie now. And it's Jim and I are in the room together. Good morning. Please enjoy this Verizon ringback tone while your party is reached. Good morning, Mr. Woody.
1: Good morning,
0: sweetie. How are you?
1: Oh, doing good. I'm, I am just, um, I'm going through, like, oh, I pulled out a lot of Courtney's stuff. And just, oh, it's like opening up an old wound,
0: you I know? I know, I know. And uh, I, oh, I was telling Jim, Jim and I were just talking about it, you know, the 15 years uh, going by. And then, but uh, I can't imagine... Your pain, but they let me tell you this first, Stephanie. Okay. I, I want to introduce you to Jim. Jim. Okay. Jim uh, was. I met him initially when he came to work for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. He uh, he was on the 2003 LSU National Championship football team. Um, he worked. Wow. In, he worked in uniform patrol. And then he was on the SWAT team. We were on the SWAT team together. And then he made detective, and I got to actually train him in detectives, and we were partners, and we did a lot of smashing success cases. Um, and then when I went to the state police, he went back into the military. He made rank of captain. Um, he is a, a de- decorated war veteran. He won the Bronze Star for um, – voluntary and combat uh after that he went to the united states secret service and and it was he was a federal agent so he he's a he is a man of much knowledge he's super 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 intelligent and there is nobody i'd rather have on this case with me okay so i want i want to let, introduce you to him so Jim.
2: good morning miss stephanie Jim, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. and um, You know, I know this is a very difficult time for you to open up all this. As you mentioned, it's like opening an old wound. But yes. um, I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this.
1: Uh, I want to thank y'all very much for taking the time
2: to help me. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Courtney. Yeah. You know, and I know this is incredibly difficult for you to do, but I just want to let you know how incredibly strong you are. And how thankful we are for you to be fighting as hard as you are to get answers for your daughter as you should. And we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we, we help in this situation to help you get closure.
0: And, and Miss Stephanie, there's never been a case, uh, especially cold case or, or a murder case that Jim and I worked on. I told you this before, that the victim's families didn't become our families you know, especially ones that had investigation time. So the, you don't have to hold anything back from us. And we speak freely, uh, Uh, um, the, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, but we're going to work it and we're going to work it and treat it just like if it was our own family. Okay. Cause it really, it is now. And, and, um, you're going to you never find two more passionate people. Uh, and, you know, to do it. But I believe God put us together for a reason. And Amen to that. And, I do believe that. And, and, and I actually, is perfect, you know? That's right. And God's an on-time God. And the, uh, I flew to Orlando yesterday, which is where Jim lives. And I had to come over here for a convention this week anyway. So it all worked out, but I want to do this morning. is just spend some time with you. And, and, uh, so, and Jim can talk to you and, and, you know, just, it, Whatever you feel led to say, but if if, if you don't mind um mm-hmm. can you act like I don't know anything and, and as hard as it'll be for you it, if you feel up to it, act like I don't know anything and run the case down uh, again, so Jim has knowledge, okay, and he may ask you interrupt you and ask you some questions or okay. he may or he may not but uh, do you mind okay. can you handle no, that? no. Okay. yes, sir not at all okay all right go ahead
1: um okay so um october the first um, of 2004 was opening day of squirrel season and me and my husband and a couple of friends were going to Celine swamp to go um to the camp it was my mom and dad's camp
0: i, I love i'm um, gonna interrupt you I, 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 i'm a huge hunter and fisherman but the thing that i love to hunt most is, is squirrels to this day <laughs> but, but go, ahead. Yes, sir. go ahead okay so we were heading to the camp and uh courtney
1: had her own little house which was just about 3 miles down the road from me not very far and um so she had came over around 3:30 that afternoon and we were packing up stuff in the back of the truck and i actually asked her if she wanted to go and She's like, no, mom, I don't do the woods and the camping. She just wasn't that kind of girl. She, she liked to be in town where she could be around her friends and she had her own little car and, you know, she had her own little house. And um, so she didn't want to go, but I, but I asked her out of the clear blue. And um, so I asked her if she would come and feed my two little dogs. I had like two little Pomeranians at the time. And she said yes. And so I gave her $10 for gas. And, um, I told her to take my, uh, bread and milk and bring it home to her house. I love you. I said, bring it home to your house, you know, and, um, use it because I'm going to be gone for the weekend. So, um, where we were out in the woods, um, you know, we don't, it was before cell phones and all that. I think people still had beepers back then. I mean, there was cell phones, but they were just coming out and you couldn't really text and all that just answer them and um, so there was a time where I tried to call her from the camp but there was no service and so I really didn't you know think anything like anything was wrong or anything I mean I just thought she was here in town and it's not unusual for a teenager she was 19 not to answer the phone well when we got home Sunday evening it was kind of right at dark Um, I noticed that the bread and the milk were still here, and my little dogs, um, were like, had already tried to knock over my trash, and like, I could tell that they were hungry, you know? And I was like, she must have not fed them today. I was just thinking today, and she forgot the bread and milk. Still wasn't really alarmed about anything, and I tried to call her then, no answer. Well, the next morning, uh, Monday morning, or I, say mon- I say morning, it was around 12 o'clock. My aunt, my mom's sister was killed in a car back in 1984. And so um, her birthday was October the 5th. And I always went to the cemetery and put flowers on her grave. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting on a friend of mine. Uh, to come, she was going to ride to Marksville with me to go to the cemetery. And uh, I was on my way out the door and I was putting the flowers in the car and all that. And my phone rang and I literally had to run back in to catch the phone. It was a landline. And when I answered the phone, it was a detective on the phone. And he said, is Courtney there? And I said, um no. I said, this is her mom. I said, uh, Courtney doesn't live here. I said, but this is her mom. Is something wrong? And he said, possibly. And I said, well, what's wrong? I thought maybe she might've got a wreck or, or got in trouble. Or I, I didn't know. And, um, uh, I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, we found body in Texas with your daughter's ring on her finger. And I was like, what? I thought I was hearing things. I seriously thought I was hearing. And I said, wait, no. I said, this, it can't be her. I said, "Um, can you repeat that? And he repeated it again. And I was here by myself. My friend, uh, she, I don't know if she, something happened and she didn't show up or call. I I just, at that point, I kind of went a little bit crazy. And, um, I managed to somehow, I told it, I told the detective, I said, I got to go. And I just hung up the phone and, uh, I called my husband and I called my daughter, which my daughter Lace worked with Courtney at Dr. Morrow's office. Courtney was the little receptionist there mm-hmm. and he's a dentist. And, um, so I don't know how I managed to even dial the phone number and, um, my husband, he, he was a painter. I mean, he's a painter and he said he just dropped everything and come home. And uh he said when he found me, I was kind of like a caged animal, like going around in a circle. I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know what to do. And uh so anyway, before I knew it, the detectives, my whole family was here within 30, 40 minutes. And then the detective called again, Cedric Green was his name, Cedric with a C, and um, he said, my sister answered the phone then, and she was trying to get information from him about what had happened, and uh, he said, well, maybe I just need to come on over there.
0: You think? And so, him, Sir? I said, you think? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, no, he should have came over here to
0: begin with because Absolutely. if I would have passed out and hit my head, or or you and know, he, I would have. He was with. Here and, he was with the Alexandria Police Department, right? Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes. I mean, at, at the beginning, he was the head
1: detective on her case. Um, I just, I never did. I mean, I didn't ever know this man, but me and him just could never. He always made me feel like I was a suspect. You know, he, he talked to me and looked at me and just, and I told him, I said, I understand you got to do what you got to do, but weed me out so you can get to the real killer. And, uh, but anyway, um, for about two weeks of that whole time, I, I really don't remember much of anything. I, I'm just.
3: Hey, Ms. Miss, um, Miss,
0: uh-huh. Stephanie, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. The, uh, um, okay. When he when he called and he said, well, maybe I need to come out there, did yes. he actually come out? Or Yes, he did. And, and tell
3: and, us uh, what happened. Okay, well, um, I just remember they were all sitting at my kitchen table, and um, he was
1: asking, like, hmm. when was the last time we saw her and stuff like that, you know, and who was her boyfriend and different things like that. And uh, we're— I guess I mean I I, I vaguely remember I, I think my mind was shut down, but my sisters and my mom and my husband and everybody was here, and they remember you know everything that was being said. And we tried to write down some things, you know, but um um I forgot what I was oh um I do remember like the whole the like on October eighth is when we you know, buried her. And we had a, a the cathedral, um, which is a huge cathedral downtown Alexandria. Courtney was Catholic. And, uh, there were so many kids from her school there. I've never seen that church so packed in my life, other than a Christmas mass. Yeah. Wow. There
3: was have...
1: so many, yeah, there were so many people that had so many good things to say about her. And, um, uh, it was just like the day that we buried her. It was pouring down rain, and they tried to um, ask me if I wanted to, to go into the mausoleum and, you know, do it in there. And I said, no, I want to... Courtney picked out her own spot where she was buried, and the reason that happened was because her dad died when she was 8 years old. Um, and she when she did everything, she picked everything out for him. She picked out his casket. She did everything. Yeah. And uh, she, when it come time to sign on the dotted line, his mom and dad and sister and everybody pushed back away from the desk like they wasn't going to sign anything because they didn't want to be stuck with the bill. And so me and Courtney signed it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, because her dad had, lost his leg in a, in an accident. And he had like a little annuity set up and Courtney had like a little check every month coming in after her dad died. So I took a sign, but anyway, she picked out her own spot wow. where she's buried today.
0: Wow. That's, that's, yeah. that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Yeah.
1: But, um, I, I, so miss
2: miss Stephanie uh, the,
1: the, the second day let me just tell y'all this before I lose my train of thought okay. Um, okay my brother-in-law is a federal marshal he's retired now but at the time he was a federal marshal he's also Courtney's godfather and um, whenever and he was here when the detectives got here he was here so he was sitting here with us and, Um. We asked him, they said that they needed to go to Texas and identify her body. Well, I knew I wasn't gonna be the one to do that. And so my brother-in-law, I asked him to do it and he did and they left like five o'clock Tuesday morning driving to Winnie, Texas. And uh, she had just had a butterfly tattoo uh, put on her low back and she had braces on her teeth. She had just got her braces re-put on her teeth. And so I just told him to look for those two things. And uh, the next day, uh, when Greg called us, as my brother-in-law. He called us from Texas, and my sisters were here with me and my mom. And they took the call, but when when my sister... She said it is, and I just knew then that it was her. And I literally passed out. I hit the floor. I mean, I just, I went blacked out. And I woke up, and my cousin had my feet in the air, and my mom's friend had my head in her hands, and they were just reviving me. But it was like it was so... It's like I kept thinking to myself, it's not her, I was in denial, you know, and I kept thinking, she's just off somewhere, she's, you know, but then when they said that it was her, that's when my entire world as I knew it changed from that moment on, because up until then, I still didn't think it was her, and when they found her, it was a, a place in Texas that um it was right off of Interstate ten. Um the the, the reason I I know exactly well I've got a cross there now, but um the detective that had went in and got her body from where it was, um, he met us at the McDonalds a few days later. Well I say a few days later, it was about probably almost two weeks, and we wanted to go there and um so he met us at the mcdonald's and he took us there to where she was found and we brought a priest with us and the priest like blessed everything that building uh where she was at had two like bay doors like an old garage type thing and um what they did they backed into one of the bay doors and that's where they dumped her out at she was in they had her in her, her body in her own trunk of her own car. And um, they they left her in there for a day or so, I guess, because it, her body was already decomposed. And the, that's what the detective said, when is the last time you saw her? And I said, on Friday, she was alive and well, standing in my driveway. So I said, there's no way that her, it could be her, you know, and, and because what threw them off was because she was so decomposed, but it's because she was in the trunk of her car and it was so hot. And, um, it, the way they threw her out, whoever put her threw her out, this is what bothers me. I think more than anything is they spread her legs wide open, like two, two, I don't know, insult her or right. something. I, I just, it, they posed her.
3: Right.
1: And oh my God, that just kills me
0: because she was nude from the waist down. Who, who told you about that, Stephanie? Miss Stephanie?
1: Um, the, the, um, detective in, in, um, Winnie, Texas. His name was David Rabelais And, um, he he told us how he how they found her because um and then cedric green here told us that this is what he determined he said it was somebody that knew her that wanted her to be found and them posing her like that um it was kind of like a mockery kind of you know like if somebody was mad at her or something you know like yeah. But um there was a wall like just a few feet over and if they would have put her behind that wall we would have probably found bones if they'd have ever found her
0: at yeah, all right so the the but, they the posing yeah. of uh Ms. Stephanie that that I, you, you know We've worked cases like that in the past, and that is a sign of uh, humiliation. Mm-hmm. They try to, to e- either because they're angry at her or uh-huh. they're angry at a family member, and they know it'll hurt the family members but, um, to, to hear that about their loved ones, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. um, that's interesting to know, and, and certainly that's going to play into uh, how we look at it, right, Joe?
2: No. It definitely is.
0: So, um, yes.
1: Well, um, one good thing is um, that building had been sitting empty for 15 years and we got a priest to go with us and uh, they showed me where Courtney's body. I didn't walk into the building because I just couldn't. I stayed kind of on the outside of the door. But um, he blessed everything with holy water and uh, Right after, I'd say, a few months later, someone bought that property and turned that building into a home. Hmm. And um, I I went over there one day. There was a lady that was outside, and um, I was over there. I had put Courtney's across, and it was kind of like in the front of the building, and um, they had moved it over some. And uh, I, I just let her know that if you ever see me over here or whatever, this is my daughter's cross, and I just come and put flowers or pull weeds or whatever. And uh, out, out of her house came this little pink poodle. And I just thought that was pretty cool because it was like Courtney's favorite color was pink. Aww. And, uh, yeah, she had a little white poodle that was dyed pink. And uh, I told her, I said, I don't know if you know it. I said, but my daughter's body was found right here. I said, that's why we have this cross. And she said she had heard something about, you know, a death there, but she didn't know any of the specifics. And I didn't really go into it. I just told her that sometimes she would see me there on the side of the road, not to think anything of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And,
3: um, she said no problem, but they did move from Courtney's cross over a little bit. I guess they
0: just didn't want to cross in their front yard. You right, know I mean? right. Hey, Which is understandable. Is the cross still there, there today? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. I and mean, we're going to be going there. I'm definitely going to be going over there. Um you know, after I come to Alexandria and you know get with y'all and everything, but so yeah. de- definitely going over there and um, you know. We wouldn't be doing our job as investigators if we didn't visit the right. scenes and everything, even yeah. though it's 15 yeah. years later. In the yes, house sir. that she went missing from, I know you said, you and I talked before and you said it's occupied now, but yes. uh, I still we're going to go by there. And I mean, we, yeah. have, we have so much to do. Um, but. And I did tell you about
1: the house that she was living in. Um, the reason I think Courtney was killed at her house is because her comforter on her bed was never found. We couldn't get into her house for 18 days after she was murdered because, um, the police had it taped off and everything. And, but when we finally did get in there, um, now, I couldn't go into her bedroom. I was just really, I am just. I stayed into the kitchen and I just packed stuff from the kitchen and the living room area. But um, my sisters and them uh, did her bedroom and packed up her stuff. But her jeans that she had on that night, because Courtney slept in a T-shirt all the time, or her robe. And um, her robe was never found. There was some pants on the side of the bed. Now,
0: whether that was let me let me interrupt you. The -hmm. how do you know it wasn't found or or, or, that the police didn't take it in for evidence for testing? And do you know? Do you know if there was any signs of blood or struggle or anything inside the residence or um, any DNA collected? No, her
1: her house was in pristine shape. It, It she kept such a clean little house, and it was just like she. It was only thing was by in on her end table. Um, my sister said that uh, she had a little Bible by the side of her end table, and it was kind of knocked over. And um, she had a um, like her her pillows were still on the bed, but the comforter was gone, and the seat on one of the sides of the mattress looked like the mattress was kind of pulled a little, like moved okay. over a little so, bit, like.
0: And I'm going to interrupt you again. And, mm-hmm. and this is how it's going to be. And Jim's going to interrupt you some too. And it's because mm-hmm. if we don't ask a question, we're thinking about it, we'll forget. How do, right. you, how do you know, if, y- if y'all got in 18 days later, how do you know that the cops didn't take the comforter and that, or you, you see what I'm saying? That, did, you yes, ever ask, did you ever ask him that?
1: Yes, I did. Yes, we did. And the cops did not take her uh, comforter. Um, they think i have a list of everything that the cops took from her house
0: cool good that's great uh,
1: yeah i do and uh, i've got a list of all the phone records good i have all that um i just i got so much stuff here
0: and Um, and we'll get i'm sorry go ahead
2: stephanie just a a,
0: a question for you or
2: i actually have a couple of them but one of them um do you happen to know when the police first went into residents do you know if they happen to videotape that
1: i don't know but um i tell you um the guy i can't think of his last name um oh uh neil bates was the crime scene investigator at the time he was the one that and they said he's a straight up like he's a really really good crime scene investigator well, there was supposedly a domino game at Courtney's house that night, and there were some friends over. At Now, the police have um, the scorecards from the game that night. They have um, five doctors. This is my list, and I made the Alexander Police Detectives give me this list. I'm just going to go. It's 16 items on the list. Y'all want me to read them?
2: Sure. Yes, please.
1: Okay one blue dress, one gray dress, one pair of blue jeans with blue and white cloth belt, one pair of blue jeans with red belt, one bed sheet, one security box, one knife, one cell phone, but it wasn't Courtney's cell phone, one black wallet, one set of dominoes, three beer cans, Two paper bags, one cup, one cigarette box, five Dr. Pepper cans, and 18 cigarette butts.
0: All right. Now, I know I have a bunch of questions, and I know Jim does also. Give <laughs> mm-hmm. you a you, purse, Jim. Um,
2: so, we don't know if they videotaped or anything, but um, no, did they send any of that stuff off for any type of DNA testing or anything at that time that you're aware of?
0: <sighs> I don't know. See that's that's going to be. i pray to God. They did, but th- I don't know Hey, know hey, hey! It's, no, okay. It's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. As long as they, as long as they still have the evidence, those cigarette butts do. and the and the Dr Pepper cans and the beer cans, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have DNA all over them now. And they
1: also have the list of names on the score sheets of people that were there. That's right.
0: Um, that's there's right. There's like five people there. So, um, I again. I, when you and I talked the other day and, and I was asking you about getting the case files or attempting to the public information etc that's why it'd be so huge to get a hold of this information to help us now if we don't get it we're still going to work it and it's going to take us longer and uh it's going to be more challenging but the I want to know who they interviewed I want to know what those people said I want to go back and re or Jim and I want to go back and re-interview those people but more interested Interesting to me is the DNA profiles off all those items, and have they ever even attempted to match it to the DNA that you? And Jim doesn't know about this that the DNA that you said they found what was in the trunk or the car? Or yes,
1: on the on the latch of the the trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is what the detective told me, and I think it was the one in Texas. He was the one that was more fired up about her case and anything and he did like you he put a picture of her in his office but then he started having some health problems over the years and he finally had to give up the you know give it up but he told me he would never forget but um he told me that the DNA that they found on the latch was mixed with Courtney's DNA. Um, either they cut their hand or arm or something, putting her in or out of the trunk. And he told me something else that really just blew my mind. Courtney weighed about 110 pounds soaking wet. And when they found her, she was like 160 pounds. I can't even imagine that.
0: Yeah, but that's because oh. of the fluid in the in the body and the decomposition. <laughs> so, but you don't, you,
1: you don't. And I never saw her because at the funeral home, it, the guy that was the funeral director um, was Courtney's softball coach, and uh he told me he said I cannot stop you from seeing your daughter, but he said I'm just going to suggest that you don't. And so I took his word, and we had a closed casket and. I just never saw her. I never touched her. I, I really wish I would have gotten to cut some of her hair, but I really didn't think about it till after it was too late.
2: You know, Miss <laughs> Miss Stephanie, I've, I've worked cases before where, um, you know, a situation arises like that where, you know, you, the, the vision that you have of your daughter is what yeah. you remember of seeing her last. It's beautiful. Yes. Eighteen-year-old, yes. hundred and ten pounds, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, active in the community, and you know, just a good girl. Um, you don't want that last vision to be yeah. what had happened. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I don't disagree with what the funeral director had recommended because even I have recommended that exactly at times before, and, and
0: I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to recommend it right now. Okay, you. I don't want you to ever think. About how, how much they told you she weighed yeah, and, or, or decomposition or whatever. Cause you know what? Yeah. Courtney doesn't want you thinking about that. All right. No. We'll think about that. That's what we yeah. do. Okay. You remember how uh, you remember how beautiful she was and, and, yes. and, and, and full of life and all that. You remember the good things and, yes. the, and, and the demons that want to, After even after 15 years, they 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 want to pop those bad images in your head. Put them out. They don't have any place there. Okay. Um, Let me
1: tell y'all on um, October uh, the second, which was the night of the domino game. It was a a Saturday night, and um, her best friend Jackie was there. And, um, she told the police, um, she told the police that she was the last one to see Courtney that night before she left. Um, supposedly she was there and her two little children were there also, is from what I understand. They were small children. But Jiddy was Jackie's brother. That's his nickname. His real name is Floyd Lee Williams Jr. But, um. He was a known um, rat for the Alexander Police Department, because when they picked him up to bring him in for questioning, now this came straight from Cedric Green's mouth. He told us that this himself. He said, when I picked him up for questioning, he had dope in his pocket. And he told him, he said, man, I'm dirty, I got something in my pocket. He said, it don't matter get in, we got to bring you down to the station and question you. So they brought him to the station, knowing he had drugs in his pocket. He was a known rat. He's been busted numerous times. I even went to one of his court hearings, and they waited and waited and waited, and they made him last, and this one man even come up to me like, who are you waiting for? And I said, Floyd Lee Williams Jr. And he said, why? I said, because I want to see what kind of time he gets, because he had been busted so many times. He got three seven-year sentences with all of them suspended except for one. And he was walking the streets again, like in four months, selling drugs again. Mm-hmm. So he is a known rat for the Alexander Police Department. That's why we've always said that they were covering for him. And plus, we have a lot of dirty cops in this town that fooled with young girls, that messed around with people that they had in the jail, that would illegally pull people, women over and rape them and stuff. You know, just horrible, bad things, bad cops around here. And it was just like a lot of stuff was, a lot of cops were like, Bad at that time but Jackie which claimed to be the last one to see Courtney alive that night because Courtney's cell phone if you look at the records it's like everything kind of ends like Courtney was constantly like checking her phone or, or calling it was no text messages it was just like in, it just shows incoming call or outcoming call Right on October the 2nd Everything stopped on Courtney's phone at 2.33 in the morning. And then it resumed again at 4.06, 4.15, 4.19, and 4.30 a.m. All four of those numbers were to different numbers. And Jackie said that she was using Courtney's phone at that time. And she called, she said it, she called, they asked her about the phone calls. Who are you calling? And we have the names and we have the phone numbers. She said that she was trying to call someone, but she was dialing a wrong number. But like I told you, Mr. Woody, all the numbers are different. Like if you're dialing a wrong number, usually you miss it by one number or two numbers. Not all the numbers differently. So
3: that showed that she was lying right there.
1: Hey, Hey, she told the then she had told the police that the day before. That her and Courtney rode around all day smoking pot, when Courtney had zero marijuana in her system on her toxicology report. So she
0: lied to the police on that. Hey, do you know? Like, do you know? Uh, you said you have those numbers and the names. Do mm-hmm. you know if they interviewed those people and and uh, what they said that? Um, what was her I name? Do not. The friend's name? Jackie Jackie, Jackie called. Mm-hmm. If you you call me at four o'clock and you you're calling, okay. First of all, I want to know what what cell uh, tower that those calls were pinging off of mm-hmm. because they they could have been in Winnie, Texas. You see what I'm saying? And and uh, uh, or it could be in Alexandria. Or that that would be something we need to find out.
1: Well. The, their local
0: numbers, that was the called. Okay. Yeah, but that but doesn't then, mean that, that she's not out of town or headed south, uh, headed off on a trail. Headed to Texas, um, right. you know, w- w- with her in the car, right? Or, or it could have been local. But which, really, in, I'm sorry, I'm but sorry. What, what, whoever she called, they, have, could be huge potential witnesses because uh, exactly. she's calling to ask for help because she's in a panic. I'm thinking she's the, calling to ask for help to the, remove the body. Those people, uh, somebody's going to talk and and, and they, they need to be sweated hard.
2: The, the thing is, too, is names. back at that time, people wouldn't have known about the towers if you're making a call, so it's very likely that they could have been in another state. You know, across that line, yeah. making those calls, trying to True. make it look like they were staying local, making local calls.
0: Was her phone ever found? Her phone was found in
1: Houston, Texas, and a, a little 15-year-old guy had the phone. Right. He said he bought it for $10 or right. something or another. Uh, Detective uh, Rabelais um, in Texas pinged the phone and pinged it straight to his pocket. Mm -hmm. He pulled up, he got out of his police car, and he went straight to the little guy and got it out of his pocket. And about 20 minutes later, or not long after, the phone went dead. So, I mean, he barely got it. But what's interesting is, you know how, like, if you put, like, like, I have your name in my phone. Woody right. Overton.
3: Right.
1: So if you call me, there's a Woody Overton called. You know, Courtney had some people keyed into her phone. And what's really interesting is on October the 7th, whoever was using her phone called some of the people, uh, Little K, for instance, from what? the Houston area. What? Yes, called. Yes. And they called.
3: It's a
0: numbers that's on Courtney's phone, do we, and it come up as little K. Okay, me, uh, real little, quick, little K
2: or little
3: Kate? What do you? Little K. Little K. K. We,
0: Just a K. Um, first of all, I don't, back. Let me back up to the four phone calls she made at uh, four in the morning. Do we know if, if those calls connected through? Do we we had the phone bill to say the calls. Um, uh, oh do, yeah. do they lasted? How many minutes the calls lasted, et cetera. Let's and, see. And, and um, she spend a couple minutes on one, and then uh, ha- immediately yeah. hang up and call the next. Yes,
1: like one of them was one minute. The first one at four o six was one minute. The second the, one at four fifteen was for three minutes. The
0: one minute could be uh, getting a voicemail, and if it, it picks mm-hmm. up, they're going to charge it at least a, a minute a of minute. Minute. a minute. The three mm-hmm. minute, the three minute one is means they talked. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, they talked, and then the other voicemail. two are for one minute.
0: Okay. Okay. But the
1: one, the second call was for three
0: minutes. Okay. And we know and who that, that guy's is. Name, yeah.
1: And that guy, it went to. Um, it was a guy named Jake.
0: Hey, you know what? Let's don't say because uh, I'm recording this. Let's don't say okay. uh, um okay. the specific Any names, names right yet. Okay. The um, when we're in person and I have the information okay. and then we can do it because I don't want somebody to get spooked. The, uh, right. Okay. So okay. we we know that the second phone call went through and it lasted for a couple of minutes. Now, fast forward when, uh, after she's deceased in the, the phones in Houston, that when they called little K, did that call go through?
3: How long? One of them
1: was for two minutes and one of them was for one minute. There's two of them on October the 7th, um, during the afternoon. Okay. And then again, um, Wait On October the 3rd, um, it says aerial communications out of Houston. But um, at 1044 p.m., which was Sunday night, which is when they determined that Courtney's body must have been dumped out because she was found first thing Monday morning. Mm-hmm. First thing in the morning, they saw her body laying there, a man that was in a field laying down pipes. Um, But somebody Sunday night, we have a little note here again with the little K. And it's a Houston number. Um, And that was for one minute. So, I mean, I do have the phone records and I got these straight from. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's
0: awesome. Well, and that's good. Yes. certainly. This was our detective work
1: that we did. The
0: police right. didn't do this for us. We this is our work. Right.
1: But um, I've so, got all that for you if you ever need
0: this. Oh, I'm gonna get we're gonna oh, yeah. get it all. But go ahead, Jim.
2: Miss okay. Stephanie, just a, a a few more questions. I know you had mentioned the detective from Alexandria that was working it. You had said earlier that he was the lead investigator and then i'm assuming at some point he was no longer the lead investigator Sheriff's
1: well he was with alexander police department but mm-hmm. i just i just never this man acted like he just did not like me or my family he he just treated us so Terrible. Hey, hey. And I went to the police chief and I said, please
0: give me another detective that I can work with. Did the sheriff's said, office work with did the sheriff's office ever take the case over?
1: Finally, after um, the Alexander police um, exalted all their leads. Um, that's what they said. And um, the sheriff's office had a brand new cold case unit. Squad. They had certain detectives that were working on it, and they took it over at that time. But the, the deal is they were a cold case unit, but I never heard from any of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you can be working mm-hmm. a case and never even question the talk to the family.
0: Right. Or you know, anything. You, you know how you can't and it, <laughs> you can't. You That's exactly no. right.
2: Miss Stephanie, can you um can you just kind of walk me through some of your daughter's friends that you remember and her activities shortly before this happened? Just kind of what she did on a regular basis.
1: Well,
0: like did she go to most. work and or did yeah, they so go I'm, out um, already? I mean, when I was 19, I went, I went out every chance I could, right? She she
1: um starting in about well, she was a little cheerleader at uh, Alexander Senior High School, and um, she was very. She played softball, not not with school, but with uh, Sinlaw Civitan, and she was an awesome little ball player. She did gymnastics. Um, she was she was taught gymnastics by a bronze medalist uh, Mr. Caroli. Um, she was very very limber, and she was she. Was in such great shape. I mean, she was solid as a little rock. And she was friendly. And she loved people. And she did not judge people. She had friends of all different colors. You know, black, white. Um, She tended to, when she got in about the 10th grade, she started dating this black guy. And I about had a fit. Because... I'm not, I'm not a prejudiced person by no means, but we were just always raised, you stick with your own color Mm. and, you know, and I, I, me and her kind of butted heads about that. And I told her, I said, Courtney, it's not about the, the color of people. It's about the type of people I said, and you're around people that are using you. Cause Courtney had her own house. She had her, you know, she was renting a house. She had her own car. She had her own job. She worked at Dr. Moreau's office. Her, her sister, my oldest daughter, which is seven years older than Courtney, um, worked there with her, but Lace worked back in the back with the doctor. Courtney worked up in the front with, um, You know, as a little receptionist. But what's interesting is the day before that Friday when I saw her, she came to my house and told me, well, it was on a Wednesday. She told me she she got over here. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. She drove up. She said she had just quit her job. And I said, what? And she was still in her little scrubs. And she said that she had wrote her, the doctor, and his wife his wife worked there also both letters put it both on their desk and told them that she was going to report them for illegal stuff that she had saw done at the doctor's office she said she was going to report them to the insurance company to medicare and to the better business bureau and i don't know what
0: when she, when, she when how long was this before this
1: was this was on september the 29th
0: just a couple on of days Wednesday. Yeah, just a couple of days before. Wow! And, well, remember uh-huh. I told you that everybody, everybody is a suspect except yes, for me, did. you, and Jim Rathman. So, for mm-hmm. that, yep, okay. So, did. so she quit the job just mm-hmm. a couple of days before the Domino game. Before the night, yes. she went missing, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. left a letter stating. That she was going to report them to the authorities? Yes, one
1: to his wife and one to his, the doctor, actual Dr. John Morrow. Wow. And one to his wife, Kay Morrow. Lace was still working there at the time when Courtney quit.
0: Oh, that's like her daughter was. Okay, all right.
1: Yes, yes. And so I don't know. She, um, I believe she showed me the letter, but I, I just thought she was like mad and just like somebody had pissed her off and she was like just venting,
0: you know. And um, well, your daughter ought to be able to, when I interview her, she ought to be able to right.
3: clarify yeah, that, right? She could probably tell you exactly, probably almost to the word, what the letter said because
1: I think she read it also. But I don't know if Courtney, I don't know if she had a, like a, her rough draft and that's the one she showed me, but she gave them each a. A letter Now, I told the police all this. Supposedly, the police went and interviewed the doctor and his wife. They were both at Courtney's funeral mm. and their two daughters, which Courtney loved the two little girls. But they were they were all at Courtney's funeral. And um, I just thought that was just really, really odd. And i tell you something else that the police failed to do. The the people that were here, the the friend of ours that was here the day that we were packing the truck the last time we saw Courtney, Mm -hmm. they never interviewed. They never asked him any questions. The people that we were at the camp with, it was like a couple of my girlfriends and and this guy uh, that I'm talking about was Mm -hmm. here with us. They never asked anybody if we were even at the camp. They never even... Only thing Detective Green asked my mother is how long does it take to get from here to your camp? And he asked me what the address was on the camp, and I said I don't know the address. I just know where it is. I, we never send mail there or anything, you know.
0: Right. And so,
1: so Cedric, mom, so
0: the Cedric Green is uh, of Alexander was, PD, asked yes. you uh, yes. about your camp. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yes, how long it took. To get to the camp, and we told him about thirty minutes from here. I mean, it, 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 I, was, I just thought that was a weird question.
0: Mm-hmm. That that, I mean, that 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 makes me think that he has some kind of timeline thing, or I, I, I naturally he's going to want to know mm-hmm. exclude family members first. But that's you I mean you got witnesses but, that you were at the camp. Wait, yeah, uh, so that, why
1: not ask yeah. the witnesses? Yeah. And he, they never did. Not one of the people that was with us ever was called and asked anything by the police. Wow. And no, you, none of
2: them. You said earlier they did do a toxicology screen on Courtney, yes, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir.
2: And do, was it,
0: it, was, was it, it was, just a urine test? Or no, was no, it no, no, no. It, it was full-blown. Full-blown blood. Blood full toxicology.
2: Nothing I'm came sorry. back from that? Everything was clean? No, everything
1: is clean. And they'd said that um, she had no drugs in her system. They said there was a little bit of alcohol present, and they said
0: that could have been from her body. Um, Decomposed. Well, I guess
1: your body not, makes its own
0: alcohol. That's right.
1: But um, it was like a not a very large amount. Now, this is what I told Mr. Woody about a year and a half ago. The detective that is on her case now, Randall Alls is his name, he called us in, and he wanted to have like a, a powwow, a family
0: powwow. Let, let, me, let me interrupt you. This he's uh-huh. with the sheriff's office.
1: He's with the sheriff's office, and, and this, he's a
0: he's a detective. This would have been after, and uh, um, you had contacted me approximately a year and a half or two years ago uh-huh. about working uh-huh. uh, courtney's yes. case. So he called and you in he- after that and tells you this, right? I- Yes, and I told
1: him about you.
3: Mm, Go ahead. At that time,
1: at that meeting, I told him about you, and he shot that down. Like you don't know nothing about this man. You got to be careful what you tell people. There's people that blah blah blah. You know, get involved, and they don't need to. You don't need to be letting out information. And he shot it down. Mm -hmm. And that's why, if you noticed, I kind of just let it. Go. He told me we've got new stuff. We're inter- re-interviewing people. He told. That's when he came up with this new toxicology report. That's what I was. Getting, the, that's what I was yes. getting at. It was after
0: you told yes. him about me that he yes. comes up with a new toxicology report and toxicology. T- tell tell Jim what it said. Okay. Which so is, this, this is thirteen years or twelve years after.
1: Later. Uh, yeah. Yes. He said that. that Texas crime lab still had two vials of Courtney's blood. He even told me the top, the colors of the top of the vials. One was lavender. One was,
0: and they still and they retested Courtney's blood. It's too much information. He's full of there's, shit. There's no way. I don't. He's yeah, full of shit. Full of it. The, the, well, the, I'm yeah.
1: telling you. The, 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 I,
0: first of all, he he's not going to know uh, uh, if it, the, the Texas State Police crime lab, whatever crime lab does it, he's not going to have any knowledge of what fucking color, pardon my friends the color the, 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 okay, color the vials I mean, are so but go exactly.
1: ahead so anyway and he gave me this report Now I have to dig for it but
0: I've got it somewhere yeah, well, he gave I'll, me get it, I'll get it next week when I'm there but go ahead and
3: tell him Okay. This, uh, I'm going to have all that ready
1: for you when you come next week but he told me that Courtney's blood level had nine times the legal limit of alcohol Courtney didn't drink. She drank maybe a wine cooler. She she was not a drinker. I can I can vouch for that. She got sick one time on drinking and that fixed her. Then um he told me that she had it was either tramadol or toradol or Trem, something like tramadol.
0: that. It's a it's a it's which is a, a
1: mild
0: mild it's pain a Non-narcotic. It's uh, non-scheduled he narcotic told me, pain reliever. Yeah.
1: There was like 1,800 milligrams in her blood. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. Because they told in her, it took me about a week to get my head together. And I called him back and I said, you know what? I'm not buying it. I said, y'all are trying to shove this under the rug. Y'all are trying. He said, because if I had to give Courtney's cause of death right now, it would be an accidental
0: overdose. Yeah, and that's some shit. The accidental said, overdose with, with, her, go legs, go with her legs, with her legs new from the west down, waist down yeah. with her legs spread in post. Yeah, that's an accidental I mean, overdose, on. you asshole. This is, this is something that really got me. I said, well, then
1: if it was an accidental overdose, then why didn't someone just leave her laying in her bed, go out the door and lock the door behind them?
0: Yeah, well, yeah.
1: You didn't even have to move her Accidental body,
0: right? overdose. Wait, wait. Body. Accidental overdose. That you're going to take her body across state lines. State and we're talking lines. four or five hours, or four hours to in yes. Texas, right? Away. So this is, yes. man, You you have to keep in mind. This is after you tell him that you're going to have me work the case, and he can say whatever he wants to. He damn well knows who I am, and he didn't he didn't want me getting involved. But guess I what? haven't even told
1: so him about you this time. No, don't
2: tell him. Don't. So I have not. There's two completely different toxicology reports.
1: Toxicology reports, we, yes, we don't sir. know.
2: Are you, so, are you saw
0: this allegedly new toxicology report? Yes, okay.
1: yes. Do you and have I'm a copy of man, it? I do have a copy of it. He Perfect. gave
0: it to me.
3: Perfect.
1: He it's had a we'll copy. He,
0: good, good. That's right. We will verify it. We will we'll, yes. we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, versus the first one because, if I mean, it's outrageous. I, I'll well, tell
2: you right now, a, I'm, a, I would go with the first one because the first one was done up from the scene itself. Yes, whereas the other one's been exactly. sitting for 15 years and you never know if somebody tampered with it. Or tampered not with to say it? that that's what happened, but to get a completely different toxicology report that's been sitting in a file, um, I just don't buy that. And, you know, I... But what's what's the purpose to go
0: back and test
2: it? I, I,
1: I, I, test I was going to say. Well, let me just tell you this: if she would have had that many drugs and alcohol in her system, she would have thrown up. If she would have thrown up, then she, she had French fries in her stomach.
0: She would have died so from alcohol poisoning. She
1: ate. Yeah. She ate bef- within two hours of being killed because in her. In the, uh, her death report, the, the death certificate, I mean, the, the report that they give you where it tells you all about, you know, it's all kind of these legal terms. Right. But she had, and I have a copy of that right. too, she had French fries and bubble gum in her stomach. Right.
0: And and do you know what? That's a good, another good thing. Um, she would have thrown up. There sure she would have been nothing in sure her stomach. Yeah, look, you you can't have nine times nine times the legal limit will kill you at, at alcohol. But, and but and chocolate drink. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, nobody. Yeah. You can't drink that much, is what I'm telling you. Right? the no. I mean, that's nine times. That would be back then. It was still point one zero. That I mean, was, you die at like okay. four point. Uh, a big guy like me would die at, at, at point four. It's oh. so the no fucking what. Yeah. What was uh,
2: the level of tramadol? No, they said
1: eighteen hundred milligrams.
2: Because I bet I you that the, wasn't metabolized.
1: I did the math, and I I just broke it down in like pills. I told him. I said she would have had to take twenty something pills. I said, so why didn't why wasn't any of those pills found in her stomach?
3: Right, there was French fries right. in there. It,
2: there right. was bubble gum in there. You didn't
3: find any pills in there.
2: It's right. almost like you take. some, I don't know. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, but and I'm not saying this is this is what had happened. But if you were to take some blood, let's just say you just get get a vial of blood somewhere. It could be their own blood, right? And you go ahead and you sprinkle some tramadol into that blood right the level and toxicity with that it has not metabolized which is going to show at a extremely high concentration level same thing with alcohol same with alcohol so instead so when you take medication it has to do what's called the first pass of the liver which your body's going to actually break it down so if you take 100 milligram by the time your body breaks it down you might get 20 25 milligrams of that to have a level of that amount of tramadol tells me that that is not metabolized tramadol that may be a sprinkled in version of tramadol
0: or an alcohol too. There's no way. Yeah. Nine, exactly right. it, it, we're we're going to get all that from we'll next week of- and we're going to look at it and we'll have experts look at it. Um, but the, I'm going to tell you something, Stephanie, I, I have goosebumps uh, just from oh, yeah. what we talked about today. Now, but this, this, you have to realize we're just scratching the surface. We're going to do this again because you're going to remember more things as we do it. When, yes, when you and I are face-to-face, we're going to be doing this for like eight hours at a, uh, um, at a time, okay? So the questions will be a lot more involved. Uh, but just what you told me today, I mean, the, the, the one thing you never know is where a homicide investigation is going to lead. You, that you, We don't want to get tunnel vision, certainly, the most likely uh-huh. suspects are the people at the party, but help. You told us about a dentist today that, that she uh-huh. had threatened to do, et for. Um, we even know about a little, a little K now. We know about the, the second toxicology report that comes out after the, the, the sheriff's office finds out that you're going to hire me to work the case. I mean, um, uh-huh. that's the quickest way, right? To be able to say, oh, well, you know what? Let's, let's use, Let's dump a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying that they did, but you know, yeah, but but definitely the, not. It's a the theory. possibilities are endless, and we have to work them all, and and that's how we're going to solve this case. I've I've got one other thing to tell
1: y'all. Um, I was I was working at Best Western at the time. Um, I was a front desk uh, guest representative, and um, I got a a, a call from. Um, Regions Bank that's where Courtney had her checking account and um, being I was not on her checking account we froze her account I had to get the lawyer that did my secession to freeze her account because we didn't know where her checkbook was, we didn't know where her purse was, uh, she didn't have but I think $13 in her account at the time, And I mean it wasn't much well um a year almost to the day the there was two utility bills paid in houston texas with courtney's checkbook and they signed her name courtney coco to the check and paid two utility bills in houston texas at an apartment complex well at the time david rabelais the uh detective in texas was still on courtney's case and he went knocking on doors to find out who lived there. And um, he he talked to some people. He got the information. That should be all in the Texas file. and um, But he said that that did not prove that whoever wrote those checks was Courtney's killers because they could have threw her checkbook out someone
0: got the checkbook sure. and used it. Yeah, but it, it, it certainly doesn't exclude them from being the killer either. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, 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 and so the bank has their own detectives, but the
1: bank did not follow. They just wrote it off. It right, was like over right. $600 worth of utility bills. They wrote right. it off because it was cheaper for them to write it off than to get Sure it is. Yes. The, uh, yes.
0: See, the, there's going to be so much. Information like that, you're going to remember, uh, cause you're right. Earlier you said it's like ripping off the uh, scab of an yeah. old wound, but that's okay. Sometimes the scab has to come off and get the stuff out so we can heal that's it, right? right? Um, and we, the, we are, um, we're going to stop for today. I just wanted okay. really to get Jim, uh, emotionally involved. I want we're him. Up. I never. I, 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 he already was emotionally involved, but I, I want his heart. I wanted him to hear your voice. Yes. I wanted him yes. to hear your pain. Your pain. Yes. And I know Jim Raffman, and the and he knows me, and then we're, we're fired up. Okay. I, I don't want. That's not. I don't want. That kind of sounds bad, right? That you get fired up. Uh, no, about a death, no, but no. I need somebody to be fired up. Right. We're, we're fired
2: up to, to get answers and we're fired up to get closure for you yeah. and to figure this out. We waited 15 long, painful years.
0: And that. I, I can promise Absolutely. you, I can't promise you. I, I just can't. And I mean, we'd be lying if we said that we were a hundred percent sure that we can solve it. But I can promise you, if we can't do it, nobody can do it. Okay, and and I and, and, and we're not getting off of it. I don't care how long it takes. The um the I mean, it's just it, we'll have to die to get off of yeah. it, or uh, we're understand. gonna solve it. Okay.
1: I want to read y'all something, and you. I don't know if you want to record this or not, but this is something that Courtney had done as a school project. Um, Back in 2000, she was in, uh, I guess, a freshman in high school. But um, it's just a little uh, two or three paragraphs. I'm gonna, and if y'all don't mind, I want to read it to y'all. Yeah, go
3: ahead, she go talks ahead. about, she says, my biggest influence
1: in my is my mom. She has had a wonderful life so far. She started off very young and rough, but managed to make through all the hard stuff. She is pretty young and happy. She had three children, and she is a wonderful mother. Everyone has always been put before her. Her kids, grandson, and husband are her main priority. She'll try and try until we are happy. She has always been able to support us and help us with no questions asked. Now she is married with a man of her dreams. We were all so happy when they got married because that is when she got someone to depend on all her life. I would love
0: to be just like my mom. Oh my God, that's uh, all. <laughs> um, you, you know, what, sweetie? It chokes me up too, and then and just and that's her own writing.
1: That's and her, her own words. And and I just,
0: she she I loves me. and and that's you should treasure that. That's one of the most beautiful things that, that I've ever heard. Uh, afterwards, right? I mean, um, it's, yeah. like, it's almost like God let her write it to for yeah. you to have comfort all these you know, years.
2: You know, Stephanie, she
0: she wrote all that.
2: Obviously, she loves you as, and you've done everything for her. And, yeah, sir. You know, you you look at what she wrote, and you look at what you're doing here. It is 15 years later, yeah. and you're still willing you're to do and everything to try. and anything yeah. it takes to get answers to find out what happened to your beautiful daughter and you know I can tell you I know I can speak to Woody on this too but we thank you so much for sharing this is as, as hard and as difficult as it is you you're doing an outstanding job and you're you're working so hard for your daughter There, I just I you know I'm, I'm appreciative of mothers like you and I have an awful lot of respect for what you what you do and what you continue to do in the fight for justice for your daughter and thank you for allowing us to be a part of this and Absolutely. to help you find what is going on to bring you closure. Um, much like Woody, I will give it everything that I have
0: to do the best that I, I possibly can
2: for you and your family.
0: And, and, and I just know y'all will. We are going with God's grace in him putting us together Yes, sir. If it's Will, we are going to find out who murdered Courtney. Okay? That's what oh we're going to do. And then you, you you, the, you, so you can have some closure. Okay? That's what's so important. And, and that's it. I mean, I, I know we're, we're put together for a reason. And yes. we're, we're going to do this. And I'm, it's not going to be quick, and it's not going to be easy. But we're going to nope. we're going to do it, okay? But it's going to be done right. It's going to be done. if like we, it, it should if have it can't, done at the beginning. If we can't solve it, nobody can solve it, okay? I and, believe and, um, that. We'll leave no leaf unturned. That's right. And just continue to work on those uh, case files for me, sweetie, and the, the public I information will, requests um, and all that, because it's going to be huge. Matter of fact, I've already requested it from Texas, and this morning I was going to go down to the courthouse and ask for it there and the Alexander Police Department. Okay. Hey, Stephanie, so, uh, um, naming it, what do you think? I mean, who who, who murdered Courtney? I mean, I, I, I what do you think? I mean, we yeah, need I mean, to put the name I've to this. I've been
1: thinking of that, and I just— I don't. Yeah, I just don't, I can't come together on anything yeah. because I, there's just, but um,
0: that sounds, that sounds good. I mean, that it's, be, that, that's what we're it, doing. I mean, we need, we need we to want. know who murdered justice, who, who, who murdered. Courtney and, and justice for murder Courtney. Courtney. I mean,
1: justice for Courtney. Yeah. And yeah, when we do our um, victims' rights walk and everything, all of our shirts say "Justice for Courtney." Right. And on the back it says, "You never walk alone," because I help many other families that are affected by right. murder now.
0: But it, and and the sad part of this is not sad, but the we're going to have to use the public and we need to grab the public's attention and and, and i mean that's the the title is going to have to say that and and um yeah so i mean it, but, but, yeah that I, way they know uh,
1: it kind of says
0: what it's about right the, that's in a, right in the title right and, and it will grab their attention etc and yes. and jim and i are going to be working on some things uh and we'll talk about it next week. Uh, um, uh, we are okay. work on getting getting the reward thing set up and stuff like that, and a hotline okay. and all that. We have a whole whole lot of pre work to do, uh, and but we're going to do it, sweetie. I promise.
1: All right. I, I know y'all are, and um, I, I, there's just so much other stuff that. And as I'm looking through my little file, I, but I just want to tell y'all this: um, this guy, this girl. Contacted us um, by way of Facebook. Um, oh God, let me see if I can find a date. It's it's been a it's 2010, and I have 13 pages of text messages between her and my other daughter Heather, which she went to school with my two daughters Heather and Lace. She tells us that she knows all about the murder, that Courtney was injected with a a shot. She goes into details, names, places that Courtney was being rented out for sex and that they were bringing her to Texas to rent her to somebody for sex and all this stuff that I told the police about and the police supposedly questioned her she kind of played cat and mouse with the police but they their their explanation to me was this girl is crazy she's she's running her mouth i said well this is a murder investigation we're talking about here Mm -hmm. and she's claiming to know all this information i mean you know i think y'all should take it a little more seriously they really did not even take what she said seriously. Yeah. They said she was a little crazy. And, and you can tell me, Mr. Woody, that there would be people that run their mouths and give all this information
0: when they absolutely know what, not what they're talking about. Right, sure. There's a certain percentage of the population that will try to inject themselves into investigations for di- different reasons, whether it's crazy it's or financial or whatever. But the attention, attention that's right. We mm-hmm. we'll weed those out and we'll leave as okay. Jim said, we'll leave no stone unturned and you just okay. take it well, easy the all rest of the day. pages that y'all could read. You take it easy the rest of the day and try to work on those case files and more information we have, the 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 better off we are, okay?
1: I will, and All tomorrow's right. my birthday. Oh, happy, Courtney, happy birthday to Thank you, birthday. Courtney. Oh, my God, it just kills me because she loved to give people gifts. She was like a little, not a shopaholic, but she loved to give. She was a giver, not a receiver. All and right. She she loved to give gifts. It just made her overjoyed. And I still have the last thing that she gave me. Um, it was a little pair of sandals, and I just don't wear them because I don't want them to wear out. Right. But I still have that little pair of sandals, and every every time it's my birthday, I wear those sandals on my birthday only. Wow,
0: that's so. I'll be wearing them tomorrow. You wear them tomorrow, sweetie, and you, no, and you have them. a good good birthday, and and we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be working on it, and. Just take care, okay? Thanks for sharing with us today, all
1: right? I will, Mr. Woody, and it was so nice to meet you, sir.
0: It was very nice to meet you, and
2: uh I look forward to talking with you many more times, and we'll be able to meet face-to-face soon enough. Uh, I'm going to have you. Woody uh, give you my number uh, offline here, um, and okay. then we'll be able to talk some more, okay? But thank you so much right. for being so strong okay. today and and walking thank us through you. this. You're, you're a tremendous mother. Please don't ever forget thank that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate
0: it. Okay, well, we love you, sweetie, okay. and you'll be good. All okay, right. We love Happy you. birthday, Wouldn't.
3: Thank you again. All right.
0: All right. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, y'all. That's gonna c- conclude um, this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Me and my co-host Jim Raffman. You heard it um, from Miss Stephanie, Courtney Coco's mom. And we'll be getting back with you real soon. Peace.
1: Hello everyone, this is Tyler here at Formidable, a true crime podcast. I want to invite you to come join me as I drop multiple episodes weekly to give you your true crime fix. Now I am personally a huge fan of true crime and this is what has pushed me to do this. All of my stories are well researched, but I do keep them shorter than your average true crime podcast to fit into your daily commute so you don't have to pick back up later. I encourage you to check it out anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Formidable, a true crime podcast. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you enjoy. You can also find me on Twitter, at FormidableTC, and on Instagram, at Formidable.
0: to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to enduring questioning. If you can't afford one, the court appoint one for you. You understand your rights?